3 o'clock on 91.5 WBEZ. We have cloudy skies, a few showers through mid-afternoon, or maybe just a little drizzle here and there, and then some rain and snow toward the evening, a high of 38. Tonight, a 30% chance of rain and snow and a low of 32 degrees, and then cloudy on Thursday, a 50% chance of snow. You'll get to a high of 35. Temperatures around town right now, you've got 37 degrees and drizzle at O'Hare. It's a little windy, wind gusts up to 16 miles per hour, 36 in DuPage County, and 30 seven degrees along Chicago's lakefront winds out of the southwest at eight miles per hour. I'm Lisa Lobbis. Let's get to the news. It is noon here at 91.5 WBEZ. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Coming up on the show, hundreds of workers at Howard Brown Health are striking over what they say are unfair staffing issues and labor practices. This after dozens of employees were laid off. We'll get details of the ongoing protests and talk with a pair of former staffers whose jobs were cut. Plus, as COVID cases rise in the Chicago area, we check in with infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Taramina for what you need to know. Those stories and much more right after the latest news from around the country and the world. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The U.S. House is now just going through the motions with yet another round of voting for House Speaker and still no one nominee getting the 218 votes needed to ascend to the position that is second in line to the presidency. Republicans who hold a slim majority in the House are not closing ranks behind the frontrunner, Representative Kevin McCarthy. A small group of holdouts is holding firm to denying McCarthy the gavel. They've instead nominated alternatives. Yesterday was Andy Biggs and Jim Jordan who voted for McCarthy. Today, it's Byron Donalds who voted for himself. NPR's Domenico Montanaro reports on the optics of the internal disarray two days before the country observes the anniversary of the January 6th pro-Trump insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. It is interesting that several of these members have been people who've been implicated somehow with text messages behind the scenes uh, on January 6th, certainly people who have been associated with the far right, some with white nationalism. Uh, This is really the most dug in portion of the conservative movement, people who have gotten a lot of the attention. NPR's Domenico Montanaro reporting. Northern California is getting more heavy rain. NPR's Eric Westervelt reports the National Weather Service's warning of potential flooding, landslides, and power outages. After weeks of rain, authorities are warning that already soaked ground in parts of Northern California could see widespread damage as a dangerously large plume of moisture known as an atmospheric river slams into the region. Allison Bridger, a meteorologist at San Jose State, says the storm could drop up to 10 inches of rain in coastal mountain areas and 4 to 6 inches in valleys and hills over the next several days. All the new rainwater is not going to sink in as well. It's going to run off. And so you're going to have more localized flooding in streams and on streets, not to mention trees coming down, mudslides. And Bridger warns that several more storms are on the horizon over the next 10 days. Eric Westervelt, NPR News, San Francisco. Iranian media reporting that a well-known Iranian actor arrested for showing support to anti-government demonstrations has been released on bail. NPR's Peter Kenyon has more. News of actor Tarane Ali Dusti's release came in an Instagram post by her mother and by a message on Twitter by her attorney. Iranian media reported that Ali Dusti was imprisoned after speaking supportively about a man who was executed over charges stemming from the protests. The demonstrations were sparked by the death in police custody of a 22-year-old Kurdish woman, Jina Masa Amini, who was arrested for allegedly wearing, quote, improper attire. 
The protests soon transformed into calls for the end of Iran's cleric-led regime. Ali Dusty starred in director Asghar Farhadi's film, The Salesman. Peter Kenyon, NPR News, Istanbul. The Dow is up 139 points. This is NPR News. It is 12.04. Good afternoon. 37 degrees. I'm Lisa Lavis. This is WBEZ News. DuPage County today is reporting the first flu-related death of a child during the current influenza season. The county's health department says this is the third reported pediatric flu death in Illinois this season. Nationwide, 61 people have died. DuPage Health officials say since October, they've seen a rapid increase in flu cases compared with past seasons and are urging flu vaccinations for children and adults. A Chicago woman has had a murder conviction vacated by a Cook County judge. ABC 7 reporting Madeline Mendoza spent more than 17 years in prison for a double murder in 1992. It happened in the Humboldt Park neighborhood. But her attorneys argued she was framed by two former Chicago police detectives, Reynaldo Guevara and Ernest Halverson. Mendoza calls this a new chapter for her. She is one of dozens of people who have had their convictions vacated because of Detective Guevara's involvement. A Mount Prospect man is being held without bail on charges he murdered his six-month-old son. Mount Prospect police have arrested 25-year-old Adrian Chavez on charges of first-degree murder. Police say an investigation revealed Chavez physically abused baby Zayden Chavez, who died last week after being seriously injured. Looking at sports, the Bulls hosting Brooklyn tonight. The Nets at 7 o'clock. Cloudy and a few showers through mid-afternoon, and then you might see a little bit of snow tonight. It's 37 degrees. I'm Lisa Lavis, WBEZ News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Fisher Investments. Fisher Investments' team of specialists tailor portfolios to each client's long-term goals. Learn more at fisherinvestments.com. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Coming up this hour, infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina will fill us in on COVID, China, and much more. Plus, what does 2023 have in store for the tech world? We'll talk to a tech writer ahead of the annual Consumer Electronics Show. But first, more than 400 Howard Brown workers are striking after about 60 union members were laid off on Friday. Among those who lost their jobs are two former Howard Brown employees who are with us right now in the studio to give us a a rundown of what's happening. Cynthia McDonald was a Ryan White Part D case manager for about three years. And Lindsay Martin was a licensed clinical therapist who's been working at Howard Brown Health for eight years. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. We're also joined over the phone by Lisa Schenker, a business reporter covering healthcare for the Chicago Tribune. Welcome back, Lisa. Thank you. So I'll start with you, Lisa. It's day two of this strike. But before we get into that, tell us what prompted the layoffs. Sure. So Howard Brown uh, said that they are facing a $12 million shortfall um, this fiscal year, uh, unless they made some changes. They're saying that that's because of changes to a federal uh, drug discount program, as well as an end to COVID-19 relief funding. So I understand that the layoffs started before the union could begin the contract negotiations. So now, instead of contract negotiations, Lindsay, you're talking with leadership about getting your jobs back. Exactly. How has that been? It's It's been tough. So I'm on the bargaining committee. Uh, the democratically elected bargaining committee, we meet with leadership to uh, – we wanted to meet with them to start uh, negotiating our contract. But mm-hmm. instead, 
we're trying to negotiate to keep our jobs and for our coworkers to keep their jobs. So it's really kind of... How's it been going? It's been tough. Um, it's been tough and leadership has been really intent on pushing these layoffs through. Um, they're illegal. And, you know, one of the biggest frustrations is that how essential our jobs are, how understaffed we already are. And on top of this, like, incredible understaffing, now we have to fight for our jobs and fight for the jobs of 60 other people as well. How are you feeling about all this, Cynthia? I'm angry. I'm disappointed. I'm saddened. Um, and especially because I I was just talking to Lindsay when we were in um, the green room about how I never thought anything like this would ever happen. I, I, I came from corporate America. And um, Howard Brown was the first organization that I worked for in a social service atmosphere. And I loved it. Um, I felt like this was like something that I could actually do as a mission and for the rest of my life mm. because I got a chance to help people. So I believed the mission statement that Howard Brown touted that they were about LGBTQIA plus liberation and also racial equity and harm reduction and all the buzzwords that we hear nowadays. But when we look at it in practice, it's not there. And I am even more angry and disappointed because because just like Lindsay said, we're already understaffed in a lot of different areas. Yeah. So the people who are going to be suffering more are, are our patients. How many people are striking? And what does the action look like on the ground right now? Um, well, we, we pretty much just about every department has come out to, to strike and also... Yeah, I'm um, hearing it's hundreds of you out there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like in all, um, in most of the locations that are on the north and south side of Chicago. So, um, yeah, we're out there and we're, you know, chanting and we're showing our solidarity and saying that we're not going to take these layoffs lightly or silently. Uh, Lisa, back over to you. Lindsay earlier mentioned that these these layoffs were illegal. Can you just clarify for us what makes these layoffs illegal if they are so? Sure. Well, the union uh, is saying that Howard Brown has been failing to negotiate the contract in good faith and has violated the National Labor Relations Act, Howard Brown maintains that they have not broken any labor laws. Okay. Lindsay, was the decision to to lay off over 60 union members, was that expected at all among employees? Was anything being communicated? Not by leadership. Um, There had been kind of rumor mill going around in early November and – in fact, our lawyers sent an email to uh, the leadership and said, what is this we're hearing about layoffs? You have to negotiate with the union before you lay anybody off. And they replied and said, these are just rumors. These are unfounded. And then lo and behold, about two weeks later, they come and present us with this uh, shortfall. And um, all of a sudden, they need to eliminate jobs. Mm. And um, even once we started to get information about the layoffs and maybe who would be on that list, we had been begging leadership for any information. For those of us, such as Cynthia and myself, who are on the list, we've been begging uh, directors, leadership, hey, what do I tell my patients? Uh, what do I, how do I prepare my, my teammates to maybe assist with my patients? How do I, as a therapist, I have a legal and uh, ethical obligation to terminate therapy in an ethical way and ahead of time. Right. Um, and so last Friday on the 30th, 
people were uh, on the layoff list were just cut off of all access to any of their Howard Brown, like, uh, yeah. Just instantly. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So the, the platform that we use to con- uh, contact our patients, to speak with each other, it was just cut off completely without any warning. One of my teammates, a therapist, was on the phone with a patient when her access was just cut off completely. So now she wow. has no way of contacting that patient, no way of supporting them, no way of finding out if they were okay after that call. And I would just ask people to imagine what that's like to be on the phone with your therapist and to have them just suddenly disconnected. You don't know why and you don't know how to get in touch with them. Wow. The layoff list that you just mentioned? Yeah. What is that? It was essentially a list that um, leadership provided saying these are the people that um, we are presenting to be laid off. I see. And we also were not able to get any rhyme or reason why people's names are on this list. Um, myself, again, I've, I'm a licensed clinician. I can bill. I can make the agency money. Um, I have my performance reviews. I've always met or exceeded expectations. I've been at the agency for eight years. Um, but I am a vocal union member. And I just I think I would let people uh, make their own conclusions about that. Yeah. Cynthia, tell us more about the new union that formed in the summer of, of 2022. Who are the Howard Brown workers being represented by? It's basically any person that is considered a non-management, um, so outside of the nurses. So um, we voted for our union to go into effect in August of 2022. We, uh, For all the ones who actually voted, we were uh, voted for the unit at a 97% rate. Mm. So we all could see that there was a lot of issues that was going on with Howard Brown. Attrition was so high and morale was so low. And we really wanted to try to do something in order for us to actually have a fair and proper working environment for our staff so that we can service our patients better. I see. Yeah, and that's why we voted for the union to be in effect. And Lisa, so we're clear, who were the folks that got laid off? Were they nurses, PAs? Um, No, so the union that is striking right now is not nurses. The nurses are part of a separate group also represented by the Illinois Nurses Association, but the Illinois Nurses Association, but they are separate. This group is non-nurse workers. Um, these are people who are therapists, greeters, coordinators. Um, those are the types of positions uh, that pe- that are striking right now. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. It is day two of Howard Brown health workers striking after 61 union members were laid off last week. And with us to make sense of what's happening is Lisa Schenker of the Chicago Tribune, also two former Howard Brown health employees who were also laid off. Cynthia McDonald, who's a former Ryan White Part D case manager, and Lindsay Martin, who's a former licensed clinical therapist. We reached out to Howard Brown Health for a statement for today's segment, but they informed us that they didn't have one at this time. So back over to you, Lindsay. Any sense of how the strikes this week have been impacting work at Howard Brown? I think that the strikes have shown people have been really supportive. And a lot of community members have said they don't want to cross the picket line. Um, And there have been way more people uh, out there striking. And it just shows how essential we are. You know, the uh, way leadership has talked, they've said, well, we can cut half of this team and half of this other team and then combine them. And um, it'll just be so easy. And I think they're seeing right now while their, you know, management is scrambling to do our jobs, uh, they're seeing that it's not so easy. 
and that it is essential and that we are people with specialized skills who can do this work. Uh, and it's not just something that they can pick up on the fly. We are professionals. We have these specialized skills and our patients come to us yeah. for this care. And our patients have been incredibly supportive. Um, when they come in the door, from the, from the person who checks them in uh, at the front desk to like the greeter, to the facilities person or their case manager, those are the people that folks think of when they think of Howard Brown. That's who they're thinking of when they donate money. That's who they think of. Um, just the reputation that we have is because of us and the workers. And it is not because of leadership. And so people have been really outraged to just see the way that we have been treated. And uh, that support's been incredible. And just being outside and seeing people drive by and honking and supporting. And that's just been, it's wow. been really incredible. Well, let's let's piggyback off that, Cynthia. You know, these layoffs, they aren't only impacting things like wait times or, or having appointments rescheduled. It, it's impacting these individual patients, right? Especially if they had a relationship with their particular healthcare provider. Talk more about that. Well, I know me personally had about 34 patients that were that was on my caseload and I had like more waiting to come to me from our linkage to care team linkage to care is the team members that are case managing newly infected people um, with HIV they are normally with them for about six months and then if they need continuous support they come to um, to a more permanent case manager like myself okay so um, we formed relationships with these people like oftentimes they are coming to us not only just to make sure they're able to get medication but a lot of times their house they're unstably housed and they need assistance with that they need assistance with you know being food unstable um, and then also they need to be connected to other services that are outside of the what we can do for the organization like behavioral health mm -hmm. you know and and um, and maybe even financial assistance if you know if they're um, facing any type of crisis by losing like their their heat or or their apartments or anything like that so yeah. we we fill in the gaps to make sure that the social determinants of health are actually addressed with them and we form personal relationships with our patients as well because they entrust us with their lives yeah when you take that away you're really taking away the trust that they have built with us and also the care that we provide for them, which is so essential in order for them to be able to thrive. If, if their case manager is not there, what do they do? Absolutely. And we don't even know what's going to happen with them I, because, like, I was cut off in the midst of me trying to help a patient with a financial assistance application who was in danger of having her lights and, um, and gas cut off. So I don't know if it got through. I don't know if she was able to get the documents that I needed. And, of course, no one is, like, really communicating those things to me. So she could be one of the people that falls through the cracks. And I know that... A lot of times, as Lindsay was talking about that, the greeters, the case managers, the front desk people, um, the the medical staff, and and all of us who are working with these patients are Howard Brown. And at least that's what they think of when they think of Howard Brown. And they are in danger of falling out of care if we're not there in order to make sure that the things that they need in order for them to be able to get to appointments like transportation yeah. and all these other things are provided what for them. What a ripple effect. Yeah. Lisa, have there been any talks happening to extend the strike past tomorrow? 
I don't believe there's a plan to extend it past tomorrow. They had to give a 10-day notice of this strike, and um, they told me, uh, a union representative told me yesterday that they wanted to do three days because they wanted to send a message, but they also recognized that um, there are patients um, who need help. Yeah. Ultimately, Lisa, what does the union want right now? Um, the union, I think the union wants uh, recognition that what Howard Brown did, uh, as they allege, was illegal. And um, I think they want to see these positions uh, restored, or at least the people who are laid off restored. Yeah. I'm thinking about something you mentioned earlier, Lindsay, when you talked about those ripple effects and you talked about management is scrambling right now to try to do some of our jobs. And they're seeing just, you know, just how important we were and just how specialized our our skills were. Haven't there been short staffing issues in the past at Howard Brown? There have, but I've never seen them like this. Yeah. Um, On my team, and we continue to grow. Uh, we, and when I say grow, I mean buildings. They keep building more buildings all over the city. And as much as we want to continue to provide care for people all over the city, we haven't staffed in a way that is congruent with the way that they have they've grown. Um, and what I'm seeing is, you know, I've been here for eight years and my team that I've been on for the last six years, at the beginning of 2022, there were about 13 or 14 of us. When people started to leave, Due to a lot of what we're describing and a lot of the reasons the union formed in the first place, these people were not replaced by new hires. So we ended the year with seven people on our team, and three of us have been um, laid off. So now there are four people, uh, behavioral health providers Mm -hmm. for 11 clinics and 30,000 patients. Wow. So it is kind of in in to the likes that we have not seen before that they're talking about complete restructuring. Well, Lisa mentioned a moment ago union members wanting to restore their jobs. So I've got the two of you here in studio with me. I'm going to ask, do you want your jobs back? You first, Cynthia. I want my job back, but the reason why I want my job back is because I want to make sure that my patients are cared for. You know, I, like I said, I have spent time with my patients. I have spent, um, (laughs) I, I assisted a patient to make sure that they got to a living room um, facility when they came and they were very highly escalated at a, at a clinic. And I want to make sure she's okay. I want to make sure my other patients are okay. And I know that uh, as Lindsay was talking about how like our teams have been shrunk and, and our positions have not been replaced. Like it was five Ryan White Part D case managers. They're down to four yeah, and they still have their caseloads. Plus they're going to absorb mine too. So Somebody is going to fall through the cracks. I, I keep saying that because it's going to be true. There's mm-hmm. not going to be enough staffing or capacity to be able to service them. Yeah. So that's the reason why I want my job back. What about you, Lindsay, and and others that you're hearing from? Do other colleagues of yours want their job back? A lot of us do, and it's for the same reasons that Cynthia mentioned. It's for our patients, and our patients are the reason that. We have this drive. It's the reason that we're out here in January in Chicago for three days outside um, while it's freezing rain. It's for our patients, and they're the ones that we do this work for, and they deserve quality, comprehensive care regardless of their ability to pay, regardless of their immigration status, you know, just regardless of what their need is. And they they just deserve that compassion and that dignity 
And yes, I want my job back to continue to provide that. On the other hand, and I think there are many people who do, on the other hand, I think that the agency needs to take a look at the harm that they have caused, both patients and the people they have laid off. And it's not as easy as just bringing people back. There will need to be accountability taken uh, because people are going to feel harmed and scared that they were just kind of thrown to the wayside and that their patients were thrown to the wayside. So um, it's not just bringing us back. It's the support after that. Yeah. We can't just bring it back and pretend this never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there needs to be significant repair. Lisa, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Tell us what's next. Um, the strike is going to continue through tomorrow. Uh, Howard Brown says that they are continuing to care for patients. Um, they told me that uh, ahead of the strike, they um, called patients with appointments to see if, just to let them know, and a lot of people chose to reschedule. So they're seeing like about 60% of the patients that they usually do right now. And they said they've been able to accommodate everyone so far. Um, once the strike ends, there is a bargaining session, another bargaining session set for Friday, I believe. Um, And so they'll go back to the table and uh, see if they can work this out. And there's also the National Labor Relations Board. Um, The union has complained to the National Labor Relations Board, and um, we'll see if that board takes any action on those allegations. That was Lisa Schenker, business reporter covering health care for the Chicago Tribune. Also with us, Cynthia McDonald, former Ryan White Part D case manager for Howard Brown, and Lindsay Martin, former licensed clinical therapist at Howard Brown. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Thank you so much. Still ahead, Dr. Mia Taramina will give us a health update on what's with COVID and, wait, what, a measles outbreak? Yeah. You heard that right. We're going to have the details. That is up next on Reset. But first, Buffalo Bills player Damar Hamlin's recovery is moving in a positive direction. Here's Lisa. Yeah, Sasha, the marketing representative for Hamlin says the family is optimistic, but that he was unable to go into further detail on Hamlin's health status. The Bills said that Hamlin is under sedation, still listed in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. The Bills are scheduled to hold team meetings today and a walkthrough practice without any media availability. The state of New York has announced a $100 million settlement with cryptocurrency trading platform Coinbase over what state officials call significant failures in that platform systems for spotting potential criminal activity. Coinbase will pay $50 million to New York State and will invest another $50 million in its compliance program. Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields is not going to play in Sunday's season finale against the Vikings because of hip strain. Head coach Matt Eberflus says Fields complained of pain Monday. Doctors decided not to clear him for the coming game. Nathan Peterman will start at quarterback. Sports tonight, the Bills are the Bulls hosting the Brooklyn Nets at 7 o'clock. 2050 is the global deadline to get to zero emissions. That feels like a long way away, which creates a policy challenge. You almost couldn't design a worse fit for our underlying psychology or our institutions of decision making. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. How to get our brains to focus on climate goals now. This afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. That's today at 3 o'clock on 91.5 WBEZ. WBEZ is proud to be of service to you and your community. And we're grateful that you choose to tune in. From everyone at WBEZ, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving. WBEZ is here thanks to you. Your smart speaker can make you smarter. 
Just ask it to play WBEZ to really understand the news and views in Chicago and beyond. Ask your smart speaker to play WBEZ every day. WBEZ is supported by Lyric Opera of Chicago, presenting Hansel and Gretel, an operatic adventure based on the classic fairy tale. Hansel and Gretel is on stage January 25th through February 5th. More information is at lyricopera.org. Weather forecast uh, is still another gray day around Chicago. Cloudy, a few showers through mid-afternoon, a little rain and snow toward evening, a high of 38. It's already 37. Cloudy tonight, a little a low of 32 and a chance of rain and snow and a little snow showing up on Thursday. This is WBEZ. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Three years ago, it was the start of a new decade. At this point, early January, we were just starting to hear about a deadly new virus spreading in China. Today, with, we hope, the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic behind us, a new COVID outbreak in China is once again a global concern. Meanwhile, here in Chicago, there's a chance that we'll move from medium transmission to high transmission risk for the virus in the coming weeks. The flu and RSV there's still concerns. And measles are showing up in the Midwest. Yeah. So joining us now to discuss is infectious disease expert with Dooley Health and Care, Dr. Mia Teramina. Welcome back, doctor. Hey, Sasha. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, Let's let's dive right in. Uh, Chicago Public Health Director Allison Arwoody, she's saying that Chicago could be back at high transmission for COVID in the near future. What do you think about all of that, Dr. Teramina? I think we're going to see a lot of pivoting back 